0: You actually brought an accordion one day. I did. I thought about it today. Well, it would have been appropriate. Next time, I love it. My name's Dick. I'm one of the pastors here at Faith Covenant Church. i want to welcome you to this morning's worship service. We pray that God touches you in a fresh new way this day. I want to take just a point of personal privilege. Many of you know that my wife, Mary Kay, had knee replacement surgery Wednesday. And I must say I'm personally very jealous because she is doing exceptionally well. And she had more done, but uh, she is, she's doing great. So thank you all for your prayers. Truly appreciated. Uh, many of you know that we served a church at Lake Tahoe for nearly two decades. And uh, because of the nature of that particular area, we had a very active recreational ministry. In the winter, we would snow ski, cross-country ski, and we would snowshoe. In the summer, we would hike, kayak, paddleboard, and some people even went, backpacking. And once a year, once a year as a church, uh, we were able to find enough fools to go whitewater rafting. And we did it virtually every year that we were there. Now we did the middle fork of the American River. That's uh, east of Sacramento and uh, a fairly good river. A lot of twos, threes, a four, and actually a class five almost rapid. Now one year, one year, Um, One of our church members invited a friend of his to join us. The friend's name was Paul. And uh, Paul rode in the car the two hours down to the river um, with me and a number of the rest of us. And from the time he got in the car, he just talked about all of his whitewater experience, how many rivers he had been down, had actually thought about becoming a guide. And he said that the middle fork of the American River was kind of a wimpy river is what he said. Now, I I thought, well, it's always nice to have experienced people in the raft because that means you won't have to paddle as hard because they can do the work. And so we invited them to be part of our raft. Now, I really thought this was going to be good until the very first rapid. First rapid, class two. This is like a two-year-old in a bathtub. This is a pretty mellow, mellow rapid. It's called Wake Up Call. It's five minutes into the rafting trip of seven hours, and uh, Paul takes his paddle and begins to paddle down and immediately falls out. (laughs) We pull him back in to the raft. I'm beginning to think that maybe he was a lot of words and no action. And I knew what was coming next because the next 15 minutes was a near class five rapid. Now, this wasn't the week or the, the year that Paul went with us, but here's a picture so this is coming down, um, this is called Tunnel Chute, near Class 5, um, this was actually some of our core staff members, and Greg wanted me to make sure you knew I was the one up there, and you really can't see my expression, he thinks it's terror, it's, it's joy going through a Class 5 rapid, okay? <laughs> but uh, here's another picture of it, and coming back out, yeah, we made it, and so great, great rapid, um, Paul heard what was going to come in the next few minutes, heard that this is a rapid from which he shouldn't fall out, and he immediately went to the bottom of the raft in a fetal position, grabbed on to everything he could, and stayed there for the next seven hours. (laughs) He didn't even get out of the raft for lunch. His friend, our church member, brought him lunch. He was terrified. And we all realize that Paul was all words and no action, all talk and no deeds. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning as we look at James, where three different times in our passage this morning, James shares that faith without works is dead. He says it different ways, but faith without works is dead. Now, our scripture passage this morning comes from James. As I already said, it's chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Um, James 2, 14 through 26. It's going to be on the screen, but if you want to grab the Bible in front of you, it starts on page 1882. I encourage you to follow along silently as I read aloud. Listen to the words of James, and here God's challenged each one of us to live out what Cindy and uh, Katie talked about is our Monday morning Being lived out on what we heard on Sunday morning. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. And scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he called him God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. And the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different directions. As the body of Christ is the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Please join with me in prayer. Uh, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity we have this morning to be here worshiping you, giving you glory and honor. And Lord, this day we ask your Holy Spirit indwell our hearts and our minds that we might hear that message you have for us, Lord, and we can apply it not only on Monday morning, but each and every day of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just a few reminders about the book of James. Pastor Kurt shared this with you over the past four weeks. The author of James, we believe, is James, the brother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And James, if you remember, was not a believer um, during Jesus' earthly ministry. At one point, um, James and his siblings went to to take Jesus home. They said he was out of his mind. And eventually, after Jesus' death and resurrection, James became a follower, a believer, and in time became one of the key leaders in that young church church. In Jerusalem. It's believed that the book of James is written not to a specific group of people or a community, but to believers during that time that were scattered because of persecution throughout that known world, and certainly to the believers in Jerusalem where James was located, but also to us today as we try to live out our lives in the midst of some challenges and persecutions that take place in our lives as well within our culture and our society today. Now, Pastor Kurt shared with us Um, four things over the past four weeks. The first was we need to ask ourselves, who is our Lord and Savior? And we hope and pray that answer for each one of us is Jesus Christ. And uh, Kurt reminded us that God is good all the time, all the time God is good, that we love and serve a God that is good and cares and loves us. And that should give us confidence and hope. Kurt then shared that uh, we are going to have challenges in our lives. As the text in James says, when struggles come, not if they come, but they are going to come into our lives. And that because of our faith and trust in our Lord, um, we can have confidence that we will get through those challenges. We will get through them because God loves us and cares for us. And then Kurt shared that if we really want to know how to live out our faith every day, we probably need to know a little bit more about what God wants us to do and be and live. So we better spend some time in his manual scripture and to study God's word and to come to a better knowledge as to what his teaching would be and is. And then last week, Kurt shared with us about community, about what it means to be the body of Christ. And he looked at some depth about The passage, that says, we are to love others as we love ourselves. And if you remember what Kurt said, he said, but really what that's saying is we should love others more than we love ourselves. More. We should have that, that servant heart and attitude about caring about you more than I care about me. And it is the body of Christ we need to love each other well. Love each other well. Well, this morning, we are looking at the key passage in the entire book of James, And it just so happens that Pastor Kurt's driving back up from Oregon, having been at a covenant conference down there, and so he doesn't even get to preach the key passage in the entire book of James. Sorry, Kurt, you lose. Because James is noted for faith without works is dead. And our passage this morning says it not once, not twice, but three times, faith without works is dead. But before we get into that passage, I want to do a little caveat. Because it's important to recognize where James' writing, his teaching, his theology is in light of the greater body of work in the New Testament especially. Now, we are Protestants. We uh, went through the Reformation as covenant members, okay? I think we all know that, right? We've got our Catholic sisters and brothers across the street. We're Protestants. There's a little bit of a difference. And if you remember during the Reformation, there were two phrases that were really important Scripture alone and faith alone. Scripture alone, faith alone. You remember back in history, Scripture alone was the fact that the Catholic Church took the position that in addition to Scripture, the Pope, and it's part of their theology even today, can say things that can be equal to the Word of God. And back then, there were issues of indulgences and other things. And so that started the Reformation. And so, Scripture alone is one of the watchwords. The other one is faith alone. Because our sisters and brothers in the Catholic tradition took a position that you are saved by faith, but you also have to do some works. You have to be baptized, you have to go through the sacraments. They are necessary, they add to your salvation. They don't necessarily save you in and of themselves, but you need to jump through some hoops. And so the Protestant Reformation took those two key phrases, Scripture alone, faith alone. And that's what we believe, at least as Reformed Protestants. Now, Martin Luther, and now we actually, as covenant members, you know, we came out of the Swedish Lutheran tradition. You got to remember that. So we kind of have some Lutheran in us a long ways back. Um, and some Swedishness. My grandfather came from Sweden, so it's nice to be among covenant people. Mary Kay's grandfather came from Norway. We're a mixed marriage. Um, (laughs) Kurt and I kind of joked about this a number of weeks ago, but Martin Luther, Martin Luther just didn't like the book of James. Not at all. He said it was the epistle of straw because it put too much focus on works. And Martin Luther wanted to make sure we knew we were saved by grace through faith alone. There's absolutely nothing any of us could do that would ever save us. We could never be good enough, righteous enough, perfect enough. Nobody can be good enough, ever. We are saved only because of that grace that we receive in and through Jesus Christ. His sacrifice is the only way we're ever saved. So we're saved by grace through faith alone. Martin Luther believed that so much, he said, period. So he never did even a commentary on the book of James. Didn't like it. He didn't think it should have been in the canon of Scripture at all. And so now we get James. And so we've got to think about our passage today, what that really means. Because faith without works is dead. So how does that balance out? And so in many ways, if we're going to rewrite that Scripture alone, faith alone... In the phrase about faith, we can say that we are saved by grace through faith alone, for deeds, for works, for service. It's not the saving that takes place. It's the result of that saving. We want to live out our lives. And so as we look at this passage today and we look at the rest of the book of James, sometimes we start focusing a whole lot on what we can do. I can do this because I'm supposed to. My Monday morning is supposed to be perfect because I can do it. My Tuesday morning may not be quite as good, but Monday morning's perfect. No, no. We're only saved because of that grace. Now, with that being said, here we go. Today, James shares with us three reminders that our faith and works, works and faith are inseparable, that faith without works is dead. And James, bless his heart, even gives us some illustrations. So as a pastor, it makes it a little bit easier because we don't have to come up with too much except whitewater rafting trips. So here we go. First thing he says, he says, if you come across a brother or sister who is naked, needs clothes, is hungry, and all that you do is say, have a great day and walk away, what good is that? No good. Because our words and our deeds need to be together. Our words aren't going to help our brother and sister with clothes or food or their basic needs. Our actions are what are necessary for that to take place. And so our words, deeds, together, together. The second one's a little longer. And James starts off almost sarcastic because he says, well, you have your works. I have my faith. I have faith. You have works. even the demons believe in God, but they're wrong. So words alone aren't enough. And then what James says is, so I'll give you two examples. How about Abraham and how about Rahab? We can read about Abraham. Most of us know this story in Genesis 22. um, God asked Abraham to do something that was, from our standpoint, quite unbelievable. He asked Abraham to take his son Isaac, to take him to a mountain. And there to sacrifice his son, the son that he loved so deeply. And Abraham, Abraham took his son to that mountain. And if you remember the story, and I love this part of it, we often forget this. Um, Abraham tells his servants at the base of the mountain, "We will be back." Abraham knew in his heart of hearts that God wasn't going to have him necessarily sacrifice his son. There's just, I love that phrase because we often forget that. We will be back, but Abraham still sets his son on top of the wood, prepares to sacrifice his son, and God says, stop. Stop. And there's a ram caught in the thistles, if you remember, in the thorns, and that becomes a sacrifice. And As our text says, for Abraham, the willingness to do what God asked him to do, even something that seems so outrageous to you and to me today, he was willing to do it, and because that, it was credited to him as righteousness, that his words and his actions, his actions and his words were inseparable. Totally inseparable. And then, in that same part of our passage, um, James refers to Rahab. Rahab, the harlot, in some texts, the prostitutes, another. Uh, This is out of Joshua, too. If you remember this story, uh, Moses has uh, gone to be with the Lord. Uh, Joshua and the the Hebrews are in what is modern-day Jordan today, about to cross over the Jordan River to take over the land of milk and honey, the land of Canaan, and Joshua's leading them, but Joshua's no fool. He sends a couple of spies to go into Jericho to see just what they're going to be up against. Now, Joshua had faith in our Lord that our Lord would make sure they succeeded because God promised, but Joshua was just making sure. And so the spies go into Jericho. It seems like the moment they go in, they're discovered. And so the king of Jericho um, finds them at Rahab's house or supposedly thinks they're there. Rahab lies and says they're not there and uh, sends the, the soldiers this way and the two Hebrew spies that way. Now, part of the subtext is that Rahab tells the spies that she knows that the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Jews, is the true God, though she really isn't a believer, she has this kernel of faith, this kernel of faith. And because of that faith, she then acts out and makes sure those spies live. And as a result, if you remember part of the story, she and her entire family are saved when the Hebrews come in and virtually destroy all of Jericho as they begin taking over that promised land of milk and honey. Faith, works, words, deeds, hand and glove, inseparable. The third example that we see in our passage is, it's pretty straightforward. Um, It says that uh, just like the body, and the word that's used in most translations is spirit, but probably a better translation is the body without breath, without air, is dead. Now, we all know that without air, we're probably not going to be around more than four minutes we're going to be gone. And what James is saying, that's the same thing with our faith. Just like the body is dead without air, so is faith dead without works. They're inseparable. It doesn't save us, but it is what shows who we are. It is how we respond to the faith and grace that we've been given in through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Faith works, works faith. Totally inseparable. Three times in our passage today, James says that. He does not want us to forget that faith and works, works and faith are inseparable. I've said it probably 40 times. Here we go. Our Monday night men's group, one of them, and one of the Monday night women's group is going through this book of James in a Max Licato guidebook. Great guidebook if you've not used it. And Max Licato opens this particular study with a wonderful story about St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis of Assisi. And James would love the story of St. Francis. It seems one morning St. Francis asked uh, one of his apprentice monks to join him to go preach in a, in a neighboring village. Assisi and uh, or Francis and the apprentice go down to the village and they first stop at the cobbler shop and talk to uh, the cobbler as he's making shoes and boots and sandals and listen to him and Pray with them, and then they go to the butcher shop and do the same thing. Uh, they go visit a woman whose husband had just died and just spend time listening and asking questions and being there. They went to the school and did the same thing with some of the teachers and students, and they did that all morning long. And shortly after noon, Francis said to his apprentice, Well, we're done. We're going to go back to the abbey now. And the apprentice said, But we're not done. You haven't preached. Uh, to which Francis said, what have we been doing all day? We've been interacting with people. We've been listening to them. And they've been watching how we have been operating. Everything we did was preaching. Everything we did was preaching. You know, sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Another quote that often is attributed to many different people, uh, but St. Francis is one of them. Share the gospel at all times. And if you must, use words. You know, that's really the challenge for all of us. To be living the life that we say we believe 24-7. Now, can we do it perfectly? No. Thank goodness there's grace. Thank goodness there's forgiveness. But should that be our lifestyle? Should that be who we are in our day-to-day interactions? Have our faith and our works, works and faith inseparable. Leave you with one final story. And it really is the challenge for us. Uh, when we were at Tucson, our university director of ministries loved to share this story because she loved James. And uh, the story is, just because you stand in a garage and go honk, 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 you're not a car. Any more than sitting in church and saying prayers that you're truly a Christian. Faith and works, works and faith. Inseparable. Amen. Here at Faith Covenant Church, we are blessed to try to live out our faith and our works. Our works and our faith. And whenever I seek the ushers to come forward for the offering, I often will share with you some of the different ministries in which Faith Covenant is involved. As we seek to live out our faith and works, works and faith together, your gifts and your offerings allow our church, your church, to do the kind of ministries that we're able to do here and around the world. I invite our ushers to come forward to please receive our offering.